This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Sunday. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we get an opportunity to, to highlight... Um, Something that we can do as a church, we're, we're kind of at the end here of our envisioning series, our, our, our mission and our values and, and the call for us. And really, we set Compassion Sunday here at the very end because um, the, the call to be together as a church as we serve, um, serve the least of these um, in, in compassion, as we do that, we want us to do that as a church. We, we don't want this to be something where we're just divorcing it from the local church body. We want to be those who are actively and, and uh, engaging with, with people um, who are eager for help and who are eager to see the love of, of Christ, I think as we think about it, uh, to be affected by the love of Christ. And may it be so, as we get to the end of this, uh, this morning, uh, that our hearts are, are burning with a passion to, to serve and to love. May it, may it be so. Um, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, which is where we're going to be jumping off of uh, this morning. I was thinking about uh, when I was a kid, um, little, um, there's things that kind of, I guess, move through generations, things that don't change. Because my kids were the same way in this one way that I was, and that was this. If I were to ask my parents for something. Let's just say it was, can I go here? Can I eat this? Can I do this? Can I get this? Um, sometimes the answer was okay. Uh, yeah, we can do that. Sometimes the answer was no. And inevitably, when no is the answer, there's another question that comes right after that. I asked the question. My children asked the question. Uh, if you've been a child or have had children, I think that's everybody here. I think I just hit everybody. You're either a child or you have had children. You know this question. It's a very simple question. It's one word. It is why. Thank you. No, you can't, you can't have that. Why? And, and as a parent, sometimes the answer is, well, because, uh, you know, you're going to spoil your dinner if you want food. Or sometimes it's, no, we can't take you over there. Sometimes the answer is just simply because. Because I said so. But why is always the next question. And the answer is still the same. It hasn't changed from the first time. Because I said so. And so begrudgingly, um, the, the child or me when I was a child would kind of go off going, okay, I guess that's why. It's, it's a little bit of an in, inadequate answer. It can be frustrating. Definitely not compelling. But, but it's your parent. And so you just kind of go, okay, I guess I'll just obey it and we'll just do it. Right? I guess I can't get that. Hopefully the answer is that's true. Hopefully that's what's going on. It just becomes this lack of compelling reasoning. I don't know why. It's just because they said so, and so we do it. And I wonder if sometimes in the Christian life, this is how we process through the, the obedience parts of Scripture or being like Jesus. We, we have a reasoning that just goes, well, he just said it, and so I guess I just got to do it. It can really feel frustrating at times, and really, maybe it's even not compelling. 
It, it can be a not compelling reason. Maybe it feels inadequate. You feel like, well, yeah, you guys always say, this is how we live out the scriptures. You know, at the very end is, how do we live this out? And sometimes it just feels like it's because we should. Because the Bible says so, and so we just kind of do it. And it becomes a checkbox. We check the box. Okay, I've done this now. Great. I obeyed the Lord because I was supposed to, and it's not compelling. That can be really challenging when you read the Bible and you realize there's so many things we're called to do. How many boxes do I have to check? How do I, how do I live my life this way in obedience to him? Because, man, I don't know how to get through all of this. Maybe, maybe a question for us this morning is, is there a better reasoning? Is there a better, more compelling reason for us to follow him, to, to live in ways that he's called us to live? Let me take one example. Because we're talking this morning about compassion, about love. So let me use this, use this one. The, the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Why should I love my neighbor as myself. Why should I love legitimately the neighbor next to me that always leaves their garbage cans in front or, or that, does, you know, that doesn't like me or whatever it is? Why should I love them like myself? Why should I do that? Just because the Bible said? Why should I go out into my community and love the neighbors in my community, both with a Christ-like love and also an evangelistic love to tell them about who Jesus is? Unless I'm just checking a box, I guess I'll do it. Why should I be involved in Compassion International and uh, sacrifice some money for myself for somebody that's overseas somewhere that I'll probably never meet face to face? Why should I do that unless I'm just checking a box? What's going on? Is there a better way? Is there a better motivation? And I wonder if, if many of us have trouble living out the love your neighbor as yourself command because we haven't fully grasped or contemplated uh, or, or really pondered and let it sink in that that kind of love that we're showing to others is not a box to check, but it is an overflow of a heart that's been given much love by the God we serve. If the call to love your neighbor as yourself is simply a box, I can see it's hard to do. If the call to love your neighbor as yourself is a welling up of gratefulness and gratitude because we've been shown so much love by God that we can't help but let it overflow to others around us and let them see the love that we've been given, that's a different motivation. It's a motivation out of love. And it's not even just love for our neighbors. It is, but it's a love for God. That love for God should bubble up and well up so that the love for neighbor command isn't just a box. It's like, why, why wouldn't I do this? My big idea this morning is simply that. The overflow of God's love for you is love for others. The overflow of God's love for you is love for others. The question for us this morning, I'm going to answer it later, is how can we practice this overflow? Here's where, we're going this, here's where we're going this morning. I, I have two questions from the text. We're going to read Matthew uh, 25. I'm going to begin in verse, let me get my glasses so I can see the little verse, 31. All right, uh, it's technically 34 through 40, but we're going to begin in verse 31 for context. I have two questions. We have a testimony, and then I have a call. Two questions from the text, a testimony, and a call. 
The overflow of God's love for you is love for others. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31, says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. We've, no, we've seen the Son of Man. If you've been around here, we just finished Mark. We know the Son of Man is a reference to Daniel 7. It's a reference to Jesus, the King of everything. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne as the king, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I want you to notice one thing before we even get going as we read through these first few verses, and that is this, that Jesus is referencing different aspects of who he is. He's the the son of man. He's the shepherd. He's the king. There's no mistaking if we're wondering, well, I wonder who he's talking about. Well, he's talking about himself. This is who he's talking about, the son of man, this shepherd. The shepherd will separate the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous, this is those on the right, this is the sheep. Then the righteous, those blessed by God and given an inheritance, they will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We have two questions from this parable. Two questions that I want us to just contemplate for a very short time. First is this. Who is Jesus commending and rewarding? Who are the sheep? Who, who is it? And we can see from the text, hopefully you picked it up, who he's rewarding and commending are the blessed ones. Look at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. The the blessed ones, those who will receive this inheritance. He says, the inheritance is coming. You who are blessed by by my father. This is who it is. You will inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The blessed ones, they will inherit this kingdom. And the reason why they're inheriting this kingdom is because they've shown selfless love to the king. They've shown this selfless love of servanthood and kindness. It's something that's flown out of them. It's just it just bubbles out. They they just they've shown all this kindness to him. Here's the problem. They had no idea they were showing kindness to him. This wasn't a box to check. This wasn't like, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to show me all this kindness. They didn't know they were 
they were serving the king. They didn't know that there was all this love for the king. But, but, Jesus says they did not because they physically walked up to him and said, here, I'm going to, oh, I see you naked. Let me give you some clothes. Or Jesus, oh man, you know, I I see that you need something. I'm going to give it to you. No, it's because they served the least among them. They loved the least among them. When the least among them had nothing, they gave them what they needed. When the least among them needed food, they fed them. When they needed drink, they gave them drink. When they needed clothes, they clothed them. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, in the kingdom that you belong to, you've been blessed by the Father, in my kingdom, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. In my kingdom, the least of these aren't the least of these. In my kingdom, the least of these are still mine. And when you clothe them, it's like you're clothing me. When you give them food, it's like you're feeding me. When, you, when they're thirsty, it's like you're giving me something to drink. And they, they had no idea. said, so, oh, okay. In your kingdom, what you do to the least of these, you did to the king. Here's the thing. They were serving people. They were loving people. The question is, why? We asked a why question earlier. Why? Why are we called to do this? What is it about this that we're called to do? Why why was it that these sheep, that the ones that Jesus says in the kingdom will be separated, they'll be the sheep and the goats, why is it that these who are feeding and, and, and giving to drink and clothing those who are the least, why is it that they were doing these things, even though it wasn't a box to check? Why? Why were they acting with compassion and love to the needy ones? And here's, here's why. Even though they didn't know it, even though they didn't have a box to check, even though they didn't think, well, Jesus tells us to, so I guess we'll do it. They clothed and fed and gave them to drink things that they needed because they were blessed ones. Notice what he says. Again, look, look back at verse 34. The king will say to those in his right, come, you who are blessed. It's not you who will be blessed. It's those who are blessed. You are blessed by my father. And I want you to notice too, he says, come, you who are blessed, inherit the kingdom prepared for you after you did all those good things. That's not what it says. Look, come inherit the kingdom. Uh, those of you who at some point in the last 24 hours or right now, uh, you, you find that this blessing's there and you have an inheritance. No, it doesn't say that. It says, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. These, these sheep were recipients of blessing. Recipients, if we will, if we use our language from today, of compassion and love from the Father. And almost instinctively, they just loved each other. And Jesus says, you've been loved, you have loved, come enter the inheritance. 
We can't miss the reality of this because, church, we, we have similar language. We actually talked about it last week. This foundation of the world language, we've been loved on. We see it in Ephesians 1. I have it behind us. Ephesians chapter 1. All of these things that are coming down. Ben, you can flip over there. There we go. Listen, this is to you, Christian. Let's remember the love that God has lavished upon you. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Notice, same language. Before the foundation of the world, He's called you as His own. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for Himself. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ. In Him we have also received an inheritance. I mean, the language is very similar. He's talking inheritance. He's talking blessing. We've received an inheritance. In Him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the down payment of your inheritance. And we think to ourselves, well, why should I follow in the love that God's calling me to love others with? Why, why do I love my neighbor? Why do I got to do that? I think a, a motivation for us isn't simply to check a box. It's because we have been the recipients of blessing. We have been the recipients of God's amazing, unending, never-failing lavish love. The New Testament writers call us the beloved. You know that? You are beloved by God. You have been loved with a love which you can't understand. Paul prays that we would somehow come to know and understand the height and depth and width and breadth of his love. You know why? Because we don't. And we probably can't. There might be one day where we see him face to face where we might be able to somehow grasp his love for us, the love that he has towards you. We might be able to do that. But in this world, as we think about it, we struggle with it and we want to make sure we understand it. But here's the reality. When we're called to love others in compassion, the least of these, when we're called to look out and say, who are the least of these? How, how do we care for them and love them? As we think about this, we want that motivation ultimately to be because why wouldn't we serve the least of these? Because God served you when you were the least of these. Maybe not physically, maybe you had a lot of things, but spiritually you had nothing. And God says, you know what? My love is on you. And he says, go and do likewise. We're calling you today in a moment to uh, jump in on the blessing of being able to serve some of the least of these through Compassion International. There's, there's more that happens than just like I get to send some money somewhere. It's very easy, I think, for you all, um, which is okay sometimes, for us to just you, you give your money to us, which I'm very grateful for. You're a generous church. Thank you. Um, and let us send money out, which we have. I think last, I think last week we showed you there was about $18,000 we sent to Global Missions. We, we did a lot of things. But what we want to do is we want to connect you through Compassion International with an individual so that you can take out the middleman 
And you can benefit from seeing what God does. Tyler mentioned it. Watching what God does through your generosity. We want, we want you to have a, a theology and an understanding of what it means to on the ground walk love for others. Not just here, but the least of these. And, and we, we brought a friend, uh, Jenga, here. Jenga's going to come up and give a testimony uh, to what God did uh, through Compassion International in his life. He and his wife are here. So can you welcome Jenga as he comes on up and he's going to share with us this morning? Uh, there is my cheerleader. <laughs> uh, well, I'll start by saying a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for the blessings that you've uh, given us uh, as your children, uh, as your people, Lord, as your church, oh God. And Lord, thank you for, for the power that your people have, that you've given them, Lord, to transform the world through your name, God. I'm a testimony of that, Lord, and I thank you so much. And I want to pray, Lord, that, Lord, my words are your words, and this is an account of what you've done uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, for those who don't know uh, Compassion International, it's an organization that exists to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And they work in collaborations with churches. They work in some of the poorest places like I grew up. Um, and in those churches, they have social workers, they have teachers, they have uh, psychologists, they have these amazing adults that come alongside children and support them in that journey. In partnership with people like you that send their money, write letters to children, um, <clears throat> pray for them, and, and all that good stuff. <clears throat> so I joined Compassion at the age of seven. Uh, you can imagine how long I've been part of that program. I'm 39 now. Um, and so these are my recollections of being part of Compassion. I remember being afraid of the dark, especially the night I had someone break into a makeshift my younger sister and I huddled together as a man ramaged through what little we had. There was a chilling deliberateness to his actions, as if he knew this was the perfect time to strike. My mom, our sole protector, worked jobs at night to help provide for us. The intruder finally left but not before pinning my sister and I to the ground under the weight of a huge, heavy box of our scant belongings on top of us. An attempt to muffle our cries, so we lay there, immobilized and terrified, the weight of the box, a stark reminder of the oppressive darkness that consumed us when our human nightlight, our mother, was away. I was too young to be a protector, but old enough to sense the gaping hole left by a father I had never known. My name is Jenga, a name that resonates like the popular game that you know called Jenga, you know, which is a fitting metaphor for my life as a child. 
just like the game where wooden blocks teeter uh, in an unstable tower, my existence in the slums of Nairobi was a fragile structure always on the brink of collapse. My mother had me when she was 14 years old. Like her own mother, my mom was a primary school dropout. She held down multiple jobs like working in bars at night, you know, cleaning houses and sewing clothes during the day, selling fruits in the market. Yet she always found time to educate me. We would sit in an old room that used to be a preschool where she would teach me using a crumbling blackboard. She would insist, Jenga, education is your ladder to a better life. The one tool that could break the chain of generational poverty in our lives. When I was seven, I was introduced to Compassion International, the best thing that happened in my life. Compassion was essentially in the middle of our harsh realities. This is the place we would go as kids and feel safe, uh, taken care of by these amazing social workers and pastors that I talked about. I remember a local pastor and a social worker knocking on our door, knock, knock, knock. I opened the door um, of our 10 by 10 feet tin house. They interviewed my mom and me, and soon after, I started attending the program. Initially, I just thought this is a place where you could just go and eat, so I was excited as a kid that grew up without a meal so many times. I was super excited to go somewhere where I can just eat and play. But however, I soon realized that compassion offered much more than food. It was through compassion that I met Betty and Boyd Larson from Oregon, my sponsors for 14 years. Their first letter and picture were eye-opening. They were my introduction to white people and snow. <laughs> uh, their blue jeans, you know, seemed quintessentially American. We love our jeans, right? Um, their support, he's wearing blue jeans. <laughs> Um, their support sent me on an educational journey that changed my life. Inspired by their questions about my grades, I resolved to work hard, not wanting to disappoint them. As sponsors, they provided not only educational opportunities, but also emotional and spiritual guidance. <clears throat> I have a letter from them from a few years ago. I've never done this, but I'll read it today. Uh, dear Jenga, a greeting to you from Oregon. I am happy to be writing to you and apologize for not writing more. Hey, sponsors, sometimes you don't write enough, right? <laughs> we are doing well and we pray for you often. It is nearly Christmas now and the weather is getting cold and rainy. Sometimes we get snow here, but not, not, not often. When it snows, we get really excited. And they're like, how are you? We can see by your pictures that you're growing into a fine young man. How is school going for you? Are you still planning on joining the university next fall? How are your studies going? What would you like to study? <laughs> Our family is doing well. Boyd works at uh, this company. He's busy with his work, and we are thankful he has a good job. I stay home and raise our two daughters, uh, Svea and Emma. 
We have lots of animals at our house. A dog, a cat, two bats, two rabbits, and chickens. The girls love to care for them. We all attend a church and are very involved in the work here. The kids love their youth programs, and I love volunteering and teaching. Christmas is coming, and we will be traveling to our family in Minnesota. We have never traveled at Christmas, so it will be a new experience. We pray for you often and love reading your letters. We pray that God will lead you into a good future where you can have a stable, healthy life and serve the Lord. We love you. The lessons. I love love Betty and Boy. The Compassion Program had a transformative impact on my family's spiritual life as well. You know, where we were not regular churchgoers, compassion through the local church began inviting parents to events. It was there that my mom found her faith in Jesus, followed by my sister and my dad and then me. I got to see the power of Christ transform my addicted, absent father into a man seeking reconciliation with family. Today, my sister is is married to a pastor in Kenya. Uh, They're preaching the gospel out there. And my dad has helped plant several churches in the slums of Nairobi. Just as the tower of my life started to feel a bit more stable, my mother grew ill of TB, and soon me and my sister's nightlight went out. Jesus told us, in this world, troubles would come. Despite our heartache, our tower did not fall because it was built upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Remember, only Sham, one of the social workers, took a particular interest in my well-being. His regular house visits became more than mere administrative check-ins. They served as moral and emotional compasses. During this difficult time, Betty and Boyd's letters weren't just Ink on paper, they were lifelines, buoying me with the affirmation that God had bigger plans for me. My mom always knew that education was our ticket out of poverty, and compassion turned that dream into a reality. I eventually moved to the U.S. to attend Moody Theological Seminary in Chicago, where I met that beautiful wild woman, later t- returned to Kenya, and then settled here in Phoenix, Arizona, with my wife, and we have a five-year-old daughter. We also sponsor a kid in Nicaragua, uh, and this is a full circle moment for us. I want to see her life changed by Jesus. Years ago, after moving to the U.S., I was fortunate to meet Betty and Boyd, and later you can come see, they made me this booklet here, you can come see it later. Um, And their daughters, and then they walked me down the aisle on my wedding day, fearing the role of my parents, had they been present. They have become much more than sponsors. They are family. Today I serve at Grand Canyon University as the global outreach manager, mobilizing college students to go serve the Lord all over the world. And my plans for future include going back to Kenya, helping empower pastors there, probably plant a church here in Phoenix, or become a dean of a college once I finish my doctorate. Um, And I'm reminded when I look back that if it were not for the Lord, if it were not for his foundation, my life would have crumbled down. 
I would be like some of my friends who ended up in jail. I would end up like some of my, f- my friends who repeated the same patterns of their life. Had children out of wedlock. Dropped out of school. But God is so faithful. Built upon his rock, what was once unstable has been transformed into a robust framework for a future field with purpose and promise. Now I get to travel all over churches uh, and share my story and inspire more people to join on this journey to break generational cycle of poverty. You look at our world today, you can see how the impact of COVID and everything has made, brought a regression in all the good work that, you know, that has been done to elevate poverty over the years. And I believe this is an opportune moment for us as a people of God to join in this journey to empower more people and to extend that love that he has poured into our lives. I'll be out there in the back. Uh, If you want to ask more questions, God bless you so much. Thanks for having me. So the question is, how can we get in on this? What is it, what is it that we can do um, as a, a community of people in a city of the world uh, that has many things? How can the overflow of God's love to us reach out and touch children like what happened with Jenga? where simple dollars and letters brought out um, not just, you know, not just something okay, but radical transformation. How God used it to, uh, to change a family, change a man. Bring a man now who wants to be in ministry full-time, to go back in full circle uh, bring the gospel to to his home country and 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 to do that for the glory of God and I think if you were to ask him out of an overflow of love, how do we get in on this? What is it about this that we can do and what 's the call so we had two questions we have a testimony what 's the call um, I have one live it out point it 's this let love overflow. Before I even get to the call, let me say this. Some of you struggle, I think, with really seeing and processing and comprehending the, uh, as Paul says, the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of God for you. It's hard for you to see it. You, you don't, maybe you, you, don't, you don't know it, maybe your life is hard and so you're wondering where it is, what's he doing? So for some of you, I would just say, as you're letting love overflow, make sure that you're also working on, in prayer and and through maybe a community group or through a a huddle group that we have, seeing his love for you. But don't don't wait uh, until you see his love for you to take steps. So there's two, two ways that we've talked about this morning where you can you can do this. The first is jump in on March 2nd with Compassion Queen Creek. This is a very local way that you can uh, find out what it means to let your love overflow. That, take, that takes time. That takes effort. 
It takes a Saturday or a Friday night. And secondly, uh, jump in in Compassion International. We have uh, these cards for you in the back. It's very easy to get involved. There's a QR code at the bottom for those of you that are uh, probably my age or younger. How to figure this out. Um, uh, if, you, if you're not sure, ask somebody younger than you and they'll probably help you figure out how to do that. Or you can just go old school and write it all on the back and you can give it back to, to I think John is back there. I know Jango will be back there. You can give it to them. But this is an opportunity. We actually asked them to send us, um, we have 50 packets back there. Uh, we actually asked them to send us packets of children that have been the longest on the waiting list. So, so here, this little guy has been on the waiting list for 456 days. He's mine, so you can't take him. But many, many in the back, okay, have, have similar wait times. And so we're asking you to just think about it, pray about it, take a card. It costs $43 a month. That's it, $43 a month. And if you think about it, um, that is, for my family, that's probably a, a trip to Subway. Uh, if Maybe even if we go out to a restaurant, it's two, you know, half of our meal. Um, it's so expensive these days. Uh, uh, you go to Starbucks. It's probably five Starbucks, especially those of you that get oat milk with all the stuff in it. I don't know. I just get a black coffee. It's a little cheaper. But, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Uh, Tyler and I were talking beforehand. The average household income in Gilbert... So not, some of you are going to make more than this, we make less, I don't know. But the average household income in Gilbert comes out to about $55 an hour. Meaning that for less of an hour's wages, you could support a child in a different country to overflow love to the least of these. To walk this out uh, as Jesus is, is commending the blessed ones who, who gave out of their privilege who gave out of their um, overflowingness of what they had to those that were the least. And we're just calling you to say, would you jump in on this? We want as a church to be a church who is uh, partnered with Compassion International very specifically. Um, there, there is, to make it easy, there is an, there's an app for this that you don't have to write. I don't think you have to write physical letters anymore, right? You can just write, write it all on your phone. Um, so for those of you that are adverse to writing physical letters um, that are younger than me, probably, um, it's okay. You can just do it on your phones. Um, it makes it very easy, but would you consider to do this this morning? We, we want, actually, as we think about 2024, we've been, we've been praying uh, about doing this for probably six months as pastors and elders, trying to figure out how do we... How do we bring the church into this as we think about compassion, as we think about continuing to love those uh, who are the least? And so um, these are going to be in the back after the service as we go. But this is the call. This is the call for us to apply this. Let love overflow. The love God's shown to you, let it overflow to the least of these. And you never know. Uh, in 20 years from now, you may have a Jenga. As he said, he doesn't see them just as people that helped him, but their family. May it be so. Amen? Let me pray for us, Julie, and you and the band can come on up. Lord, our desire this morning, as we think about compassion, is to serve those in need, whether that's Compassion Queen Creek. I pray that we 
many of us do that and, and Compassion International. Pray that many of us do that. Lord, what a, what a joy it is that we get to, to be in a place um, where with just a little bit of sacrifice, doesn't even take that much sacrifice on our part to say no to a meal here or there. We, we may be able to join um, in a situation that you're working in to radically transform lives. Maybe be a, a, as we think about a church of generosity, one of our values, joyfully generous. May we be joyfully generous in this call. Do it, Lord, in us, through us. Because of you, we ask. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.